guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Yes! I am Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched all that much wrestling, to be honest. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I know. Boo. You get over it. How, how dare you not be intimately familiar with the, with the uh, cultural, the truly American sport of professional wrestling? Damn, you'd almost think that'd be that, that that that's like the whole like conceit of this podcast. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, so for episode five, and holy cow, we're on five episodes. <laughs> that's scary. Yep. So for episode five, we're gonna kind of delve into um non WWE wrestling that still airs because we, I can't mm-hmm. say this is the first time we've done non WWE wrestling. We've done Lucha underground, mm-hmm. but you know, this, this show still airs. In fact, literally I, I hate to, I hate to date our show in terms of uh, when we film these things, but the newest episode of AEW dynamite is on TV airing right now <laughs> as we are streaming. But yeah, so tonight we are going to be watching the February 19th, 2020 episode of All Elite Wrestling's weekly show, Dynamite. So I have a lot of ground to cover tonight because there's I have to explain a lot of things. All Elite Wrestling is a super new uh, wrestling company. It started, I believe the press conference to announce itself was January, is in January 2019. Its first pay-per-view was May 2019, which I bought. I've bought hmm. all I think I bought all of their pay-per-views at this point. They're $50, but they're only four a year. So oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And then their first uh, episode of Dynamite, it was uh October 2019. So they just had hmm. their one year anniversary on, on TV. So all elite wrestling. Why is it called that? Be- it is called that because the uh, kind of the brain, it's the brainchild of a group of professional wrestlers known as the elite. Uh, the elite for the purposes of our conversation is basically four got five guys, excuse me. It is uh, the young bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, uh, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, and uh, hangman Adam page. Uh, to give a quick recap of who those guys are, uh, the Young Bucks are basically, um, they're basically kind of like, kind of innovators of the, t- of tag team wrestling in the modern day. Like they're kind of like, like they're super into these like high flying, super athletic, tons of complicated moves kind of, of wrestlers. And that's kind of, and they've kind of been the most pop, one of the most popular tag teams in the world for quite a few years now. And they are definitely the most popular tag team that isn't in WWE. And they dress like glam rockers. They're pretty fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Omega, AKA the best bout machine as he goes by is he, 
got famous uh, being the top uh, gaijin or foreign wrestler in all of J- in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he put on some banger ass matches. I I can't even describe it any other way. He the dude is a, the dude is a giant dork who dresses like an anime villain, but when he but when he gets it and he talks like one too when he wants to, but when he gets Wait. it. Please tell me we get. Uh, please tell me we get some. We get some Omaiwa Shinderu at some point. No, no, he's no. not. Very, he's not very weeby at this point in time. He's he's he's, no. he's keeping it on the down low right now. But, nani, nani, but. <laughs> But yeah, but his matches are nuts and amazing. And this is, and I cannot, and he has a match tonight and this episode we're watching and it's going to be great. Uh, Hangman Adam Page, his gimmick is a cowboy, uh, right? And uh, he's also my favorite wrestler right now. Because, and I'll, I'll go more when we talk about their storylines in AEW, I'll talk more about why he's my favorite. But right, but basically, but he basically came into the group. Uh, he's part of Ring of Honor, is kind of, which is a, one of the bigger independent wrestling companies. I say independent wrestling. They're not. They're owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Ew. But so, like, by technical definition, they're not really indie. But, you know, compared to WWE, everything looks like an indie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's... It, when when you're up against Vince McMahon, like it's like mm-hmm. Disney, right? It, it, you yeah. can't like that's like the pinnacle. Yeah, everything looks much smaller in comparison. <laughs> but he's he's a but really talented- cool though in its own right, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a he's a pretty solid wrestler who who, who kind of didn't always have the character down, but now he does. And again, can't wait to talk about it. Cody Rhodes, uh, we saw him before when we watched uh, the Monday Night Raw episode in 2013. Get ready to hear that a few times tonight, by the way. <clears throat> but basically, uh, he he is the son of legendary wrestler Dusty Rhodes, who we will almost certainly watch it's a match or uh, something of him eventually. But he he left WWE uh, because he was uh, creatively unfulfilled. He didn't like the direction they were taking his character and he's hmm. wanted to go out. He wanted to strike it out on his own mm-hmm. and he was immensely successful at it. And he ended up kind of hooking up with the, with the rest of the elite. Uh, they all joined together for the first time um, in new Japan pro wrestling under as part of the larger bullet club faction which is a fact which in new japan pro wrestling everyone is in factions and there the bullet club is the mostly foreigners group who kind of is there to be like dickhead foreigners like who like shit on japanese wrestling culture they're gonna cheat and they're gonna tell everyone to go fuck themselves and what are you gonna do about it we're we're americans america get it putting our americanness all over your japanese wrestling <laughs> America, America. They're they're America. It, except it's not that. It's not like America, America. But that's the idea. That's the idea. It's yeah. Like, like, here we're we're the personification of gaudy American pro wrestling all over your Japanese wrestling. Disrespect. Yeah. Eat, eat a dick. Yeah. So 
they they let all all of them left because of uh, some con just contract they left because of contractual kind of issues in New Japan they they weren't getting paid what they wanted to get paid and they got an offer from Tony Khan who is a another billionaire uh, his father uh, Shad Khan is like owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham uh, FC soccer club and. Basically, he, they got they got a hookup on uh, making a uh, on starting a wrestling company, and the reason he hooked up with them is because in 2018, um, they there was a uh, thing on where Cody Cody Rhodes wanted to make a point about being able to sell out an independent wrestling show of 10,000 people with 10,000 people, which is uh. a Huge milestone since uh, WWE became the only major wrestling company in town in the in, in North America that had never yeah. happened in a non WWE show in like twenty years, and yeah. they pulled it off on a on an independent wrestling show, and it was kind of awesome, and that kind of was the catalyst for Tony Khan, who is a real life big time wrestling fan, to be like, "Hey guys, want to do this every week?" <laughs> <laughs> And so you have all elite wrestling and they, they, they kind of brand themselves a lot on being like the revolution. We're changing the world. And, and obviously that's a little bit of, you know, hyperbole and, you know, yeah. marketing. It's not, they're not, they haven't really revolutionized anything, but it is a very enjoyable wrestling show on a week. And, and it's nice. To, it's nice to have a bigger thing that's legitimized outside of WWE. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's better for everybody if there's more competition and there's more, um, in the eyes of the fans, a legitimate competitor to WWE, which hasn't happened since 2001 when WWE yeah. bought out uh, their biggest rival at the time. Yeah, make, 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 make Vince put in some goddamn effort again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I want to talk, and it is a big, and it is kind of the most legitimate any wrestling company has been in a while in terms of, uh, in terms of their visibility. Um, TNA total nonstop action. And yes, the, the oh, name oh. is the sex joke because fuck, <laughs> because Vince Russo is the one who came up with that name. And he thought it's, it's, it's funny, bro. It's TNA, bro. <laughs> And, but you know they were on spike, they were on spike tv and at one point they were they were like getting over a million viewers a week and they were kind of seen as like could they be a competitor to wwe but they never really were able to make that especially because the one time they tried to air at the same time as wwe uh they got destroyed <laughs> in viewership Yikes. And they quietly move their time slot back, and they're like, "Okay, and we are never considered the competitor again." Hey. <laughs> um, but enough about Impact. We'll talk about uh, they've rebranded as Impact Wrestling. We'll talk about them, I'm sure, at some point. I like Impact and like watching their shows. Mm. But AEW, uh, they air Wednesday nights on TNT, which is significant because TNT is what. Air is where uh, w, their, uh, WWE's last big rival, WCW, aired Monday Nitro as a call. Ooh. We talked about a little bit about them uh, last time. Yep. So it's like there's a real cool symbolism of like wrestling is back on TNT. Yes, that's oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so they've they've been kind of going strong um, every week. And so we come now to February 19th, 2020. And 
something uh, I think the interesting things to talk about with this is on two slots is that um, first, this is actually a super match heavy show. Like I didn't intend to do that. Ooh. I, I kind of just uh, picked, I just kind of went like, okay, what is the consensus of like the best episode of dynamite in its one year history? And almost yeah. everyone's like this one, this is the one. I mean, and, no, I want, I want to do more, I want to do a more match heavy thing. Like I love, I love kind of getting to do analysis of like the in-ring work. Like that's such a fun, <laughs> such a fun thing to watch. So yes. Yeah. There's, so yeah, this is a super like Matt and it's kind of almost a culminate. It's not a culmination show because there it's 10 days out from a pay-per-view, but a lot of stuff starts coming together for that pay-per-view in this episode. So AEW does big pay-per-views too. Uh, yes, they do four a year. Um, oh wait, you said that. I'm I'm dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. I why did I not? Yeah. <laughs> so also, or we're gonna do a little differently. The, normally, the kind of the way I've I've been doing these uh, storylines is kind of like a almost a train of conscious stream of consciousness. Kind of like okay, this thing, and then we're gonna do this thing and this thing. Uh, yeah. But it's AEW is kind of unique right now and that what they do is every single week they announce their match cards ahead of time wwe doesn't do that wwe will sometimes will will advertise some stuff they want you to like really pay attention to but -hmm. generally speaking most of the show is unknown to the viewing audience Mm -hmm. before the show airs it's kind wwe likes to kind of present this idea of, of literally they've used this on airs anything can happen in the wwe Oh my god! So in that kind of way, they keep everyone in the dark. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Yeah. Week, week. AEW takes a different approach of we're going to announce that we're going to treat this more like a, an actual fight card, or, or 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 where you know going in like this 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 these are the five matches that are going to happen this week. Tune in if you want. <laughs> you know up front what you're going. It's up to you. Up to you. So I am going to follow that, uh, going to kind of get us in that mindset of I have the match card listed up for this episode of Dynamite, and I am going to just read off, and we're going to go from the storylines from there. Yes. Um, I might skip around a little bit because some story, because, okay, AEW is really good, in my opinion, at like, interweaving long-term stories and I can't explain anything without explaining everything else. So let's just go ahead and start with the, let's uh, the first match of the show is the AEW world tag team title. Number one contendership battle Royal. All right. Which is fun. Cause we've never talked about a battle Royal before that. That's we just didn't happen to not. Yes. So a battle royal is a concept where basically they stick a bunch of wrestlers in a ring. Usually it's 10, 20, 30, something like that. And the goal of the match is pretty simple. If you are thrown over the top rope, both feet touch the floor on the outside of the ring, you're out of the match. Like that's, that's, that's how you're out. And then last guy, last man, or in this case, last team standing wins. I well, ironically standing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, how, why are they doing a number one contendership battle royal? It's to determine who will compete for the World Tag Team Championships at their next pay-per-view, which is called Revolution, 10 days from the date of this show. Who are the tag team champions? Uh, Adam, uh, the Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. So, the Elite, we're already going to talk about the storylines for the Elite. 
And right at this point in time, uh, base, and we get to start with my man, Hangman Adam Page, a.k.a. Ah. The Anxious Millennial Cowboy. Yeah, you, you you mentioned him. I was when I was listening to our to our first episode uploads. Mm-hmm. I remember I heard you mentioning him. I'm like, I wonder if we're ever going to see that guy. So yes, yes, I'm very happy to talk about Hangman Adam Page. So his story for with AEW is that he came in is that in these in the first pay per view of the of the of the entire company's existence, he earned a shot at the AEW World Championship. Along and he was to fight Chris Jericho, who is the current AEW world champion, and we also saw him last time in WWE. In, yep, yep. He's now the well, we'll talk more about Jericho when we get to the match that involves his his stuff. But obviously, as I just said, Hangman lost. And Hangman was really all in on this time. He's like, he's like, this is the match of my life. I have to win this no. match. He got attacked by Jericho in the build-up to it. And he had to get stitches in his eye, and he cut a promo where he ripped the stitches out of his eye to show wow. how serious he was. It was it was it's, it was awesome, and it was uh, that was my moment that I learned to love Hangman Adam Page. Was um, it's before the current character, but like when he ripped the stitches out of his eye, I was like, okay, this guy's a badass. Uh, very unsafe, but very cool visual. So he obviously, okay. so despite his, he puts all his, he pins everything on this one match and then he loses. So where he goes from here is basically the bottle. The bottle. As in he start he, oh, he developed oh, alcoholism. Oh no. It, it, it actually works really well. And I think part of the reason for that is because out, Hangman Page isn't an actual alcoholic in real life. Okay, that's a lot more tasteful than, than yeah. how WWE's played that before. I mean, not just WWE, but just in general in wrestling, most people who have substance abuse storylines are actual or recovering substance abusers. Oh, no. So it very feels very not, not good. But so basically what Hangman Adam Page, not just in the losing the match, but also there was a whole storyline bit where he asked the young bucks to second him in the match, like to come out and be like his supporters. And they're like, you know, hey, man, like we just had a match and we're kind of beat up. So like, sorry, but no, we can't. And. It started this whole storyline of Hangman because, as I as I mentioned, the Young Bucks are kind of seen as like the world's greatest tag team in the eyes of many, and Kenny Omega is the best bout machine. Those are his three best friends, and Hangman is just Hangman. Hmm. He's never won a world title. He's never won, uh, you know, tag titles all over the world. He's he sees himself as kind of the odd man out and he's he's super insecure about his place in his own friend group and he's afraid that his friends don't and he's afraid his friends don't see him they see him as like the straggler as the hanger on to their success no yes i was like oh my god i feel all the emotions and yeah i can see i can see why you love him so much no yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so his insecurities and anxieties about his own about his friendships, along with losing the world losing the world title uh, match, caused him to start being more of an alcoholic. And now he like comes to the ring uh, with a drink in his hand every single time. I don't like that. 
and Kenny Omega kind of kind of hooks up with him. Is kind of like to be a tag team partner with him. V is friend mm-hmm. because uh, Kenny Omega he 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 kind of failed in his attempt to get to the world title at this point in time, and he's kind of like doesn't have anything to do. And I'm kind of I'm kind of placing some future context to this, and it's not fair, but. We the story would later kind of be that like Kenny Omega's kind of doing Hangman a favor, like he's he's taking time out of his singles career to go be a tag team with at with Adam Page to like hang out with him and give and kind of help him out. And mm. the story of their team is basically when they're on, when they're in sync, nobody can beat them. The problem is is Hangman's hangups, uh, they're not always in sync. Oh no. Nevertheless, they are the world tag team. They did win the world tag team championships together. And now there's also some tension because like the first team in the elite to become the AEW tag team champions wasn't the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks want the tag titles, even though their two best friends are the ones who have them. And Hangman's starting to get a little insecure about this. And he's also concerned that his own tag partner, if worse comes to worse, will be on their side, not his own. Oh, no. But all that aside, we are now at the world, the tag team title number one contendership battle royal. Who are the teams? Obviously, the Young Bucks are in it. The next team is the Hybrid 2, which is Angelico and Jack Evans. Um... Basically, they're kind of two douchebags who who dress like a monster's energy drink can and are super athletic and kind of fun to watch, but they're not doing a whole lot at this point. Uh, Proud and Powerful, Ortiz, who are Ortiz and Santana, I'll talk more about them when we get to Jericho's thing because they're aligned with Jericho. The best friends, bounce, bounce, best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent. And... The best friends, their their basically thing is it's it's exactly what it says on the tin. Like <laughs> they're just two dudes who are best friends with each other. And they're super and they're two <laughs> Yeah, man. And they're also super uh they're super comfortable in their own masculinity and they because they like hold hands on the way to the ring and one of their big spots is like to hug in the middle of the match in the middle of the ring. While, every, oh, while everyone cheers and it's great. And I hope, oh, they do. I, hope, I hope they do it on this episode because I don't remember if they do or not. And, oh. and one of their other best friends is Orange Cassidy, who is another one of my favorites. They, Orange Cassidy is basically a wrestling savant, but he's super lazy. He just can't bring himself to care about actually trying. <laughs> And so he's a he's a comedy wrestler, and he's kind of hysterical. He'll do these like super fake kicks that don't do anything, and the other guys just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but the crowd will like cheer as if they he was actually hitting them, and he does a whole bunch of stick where he like sticks his hands in his jean pockets and then does moves with his hands in his pockets because he just don't care. Oh my god! He's, he's somewhere between too lazy and too cool to care about rest about trying in wrestling, and he's great. Austin, this sounds amazing. No, I love Orange Cassidy. 
oh so my much. And then, oh no. and then we have Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Uh, they're just they're two dudes who like to party. That's their theme is very catchy. The Butcher and the Blade. That is the mm-hmm. their names. And I will explain more about them when we get to Cody Rhodes' story, which is also later, because they're involved in that. Okay. Uh, SCU, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. SCU is a funny one because SCU, so cal- called SoCal Uncensored, is basically they were heel, and their whole shtick was everywhere sucks except Southern California. <laughs> like, their catchphrase is, this is the worst town I have ever been in. And then they just rag. <laughs> and then they just rag on whatever city they're currently wrestling in for how much it sucks. Oh my God. But now they're kind of like lovable baby faces. So everybody just kind of like lovingly goes along with the fact that they're trashing the local city. <laughs> wow. Everyone is like, yeah, this is the worst town they've ever been in. <laughs> oh my god. No, they're fun. Uh, Strong Hearts, Shima, and T-Hawk, uh, not much to them. They're basically, uh, I will say that a- that AEW had a- has a partnership more or like a had considering the current circumstances, but they have a partnership with Oriental wrestling, uh, something I forget what the E stands for. They're basically, it's basically a, uh, Chinese wrestling organization. And that is where yeah. Chima and T-Hawk come from. Um, they're part-timers in AEW because obviously they have other commitments to the Chinese wrestling org. Oh, so, so they're just kind of here to like be a part. And, and I say had a partnership because obviously right now we're not getting a whole lot in the way of uh, Chinese wrestlers. Yeah. You know, something uh, might something might be happening right now but that's like eh, they're not really showing up anymore. I don't know. The uh the oh oh you mean you mean the uh the um beach oh oh gosh, what are the games games called? Is it the Beach Boys or the InSync? Uh which one does the, the game game grumps has been referring to has oh. been referring to our current situation as either like the beach boys or the in sync reunion tour oh, um it's oh yeah the in sync reunion tour is uh, oh no the backstreet boys the backstreet boys oh, the backstreet um, boys uh, reunion yeah, tour is yeah that? yeah the backstreet boys reunion tour uh has kept just those chinese wrestlers out yeah you know you know how yeah. it be Mm-hmm. I'm I'm honestly kind of glad that we're not doing wrestling shows from like two months from now because uh you're right uh neither AEW or WWE has stopped airing or producing wrestling content since the pandemic started. Oh no! And we could have an entire conversation about the ethics of that, but we don't have to because this episode is a month before the pandemic started. Hey. We don't have to get super heavy in this one. Hopefully, yeah. we don't have to talk about it. We don't, we don't um, have to have la- last like like last time when we had to do a twenty minute dirge on like on feminism because because of yikes. Yep. But anyway, back to the teams. Uh, the yeah. Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Oh my god, I love them so much. The Jurassic oh my god. Express, Jungle Boy, is the actual real life son of a. Uh, Jack Perry. Um, and he is a mute jungle man. 
or I guess a boy, but like he's he's mute and he's a young he's like a Tarzan. He's actually kind of fun, but it's such a weird, it's such an out there character. Speaking of out there characters, Luchasaurus, he's a dinosaur. That's it. That's the gimmick. He's, he's literally a dinosaur. <laughs> He he talks about how he's sixty five million years old. <laughs> I thought we were. I thought I thought we left this crap at the door with with Lucha Underground. Nope. You know, oh, Lucha no. is actually a character in Lucha Underground uh, later in the oh, later seasons. Oh, no, but we'll talk about him in Lucha Underground eventually. I later. guess. Later. Yeah. But. No, nah, he he he. But he also acknowledges his own real life history. Like he talks about how he has a master's degree, which is legit. He he has a master's degree, oh. so it's kind of funny because he doesn't also doesn't dress like a dinosaur. He looks like a regular like six and a half foot tall muscular wrestler dude. But he has a but he has a dinosaur. He has like a lizard mask <laughs> that he wears. So he's a dinosaur. <laughs> what? No. Nah, I also love Luchasaurus. Oh, I, I can see why. And here we are, finally. I've been ex- so excited to talk about them this whole time. Oh, the no. last two, the last team is involved is John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. The Dark Order. Your shirt I have on right now. You, the audience, the podcasting viewing audience will never see it, but I am True. currently wearing my Dark Order T-shirt. Who is the Dark Order? They are a cult. <laughs> they don't talk. They don't. They would take offense to being called a cult, but they're a but cult. They're a cult. They take a lot of science. There's a lot of Scientology, I, uh, you know, references here. Oh well, that, that uh, makes sense why they don't want to be called a cult then. They don't appreciate it, but there. Hmm. This is. This is right now. This is before they get really good as a team. I've always kind of dug the Dark Order, but at this point in time, they weren't very popular because they kind of everyone kind of thought they took themselves a little too seriously. So they but, got good like during the pandemic. Yes, they did. They got good during oh, the no. pandemic because first of all, they unveiled the leader of the cult. At this point in time, they're doing a storyline of like the exalted one is coming. Oh no. But in about a month, they'll they'll reveal the exalted one. And but we're but, so I'm gonna ignore that part for now. But the thing that got them really popular is they got funny on the internet because one of one of uh, one, one of AEW's uh, side projects is being the elite, which was started as like a uh, like a wrestling travelers vlog on YouTube for the young bucks, and obviously the rest of the elite. But then they started doing sketch comedy on being <laughs> and it got really bit and it got kind of popular. And so now in AEW, they just do sketch comedy with AEW and the Dark Order shined in the sketch comedy bits. Now they all oh have like distinctive, distinctive characters like the Exalted One, their leader. He's the he's obviously the abusive hard ass who doesn't like any of this dumb bullshit that his cult the his cult members yeah. are up to any given week. But then you have Evil Uno, that's his name. And Evil Uno. Okay, it makes sense if you understand that he was that he's part, him and his t- tag team partner Stu Grayson were the Super Smash Brothers on the NBC. Yeah, so he was player Uno on the indies, but obviously we can't do that gimmick on national television. That's copyright. But now oh, he's been in no. evil cult, so he's evil Uno. 
Oh my god. But he's but he and he like he's like the ultimate like kiss ass to the leader, but also he's be- he's beleaguered middle management. <laughs> naturally, naturally. He's great. Uh Stu Grayson is like the violent sociopath <laughs> that has to be reined in of the group. Oh uh john silver and alex reynolds are the rec- are the recruitment specialists they go around to all the members of the roster and like try to pick try to get him to join the dark order and they have a few gags of this is like they'll hand people the kool-aid to drink that's the signifier of joining the group is drinking the kool-aid no <laughs> but and it's funny it's funny they offer to orange I'm sure cassidy. it is they offer to orange cassidy <laughs> And he like slowly knocks the Kool-Aid off the table while they're just yelling at him like, don't you do it. Don't you knock. Don't you do it. Oh my God. But they're also like super try hard. Like there's a, there's a, there's a gimmick in, in uh, AEW Darby Allen. who's like this like skater goth dude. And so like when they try to recruit him, they show up and they're like, Hey Darby, I just got back from the good Charlotte concert. Oh my god. They're super tryhard and also John Silver is like a I'm pretty sure they've called him a muscle pervert. A muscle pervert. Yeah, cuz like he like constantly hits on other wrestlers for for their nice muscles and it's like and it's almost like dude, focus, focus. Sure. Stop hitting Why not? Stop hitting on the wrestlers and start focusing. You know what? You know what? If 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 the if the rallying cry against him doing that is is focus, you idiot, rather than like what it was during Gold Dust time, no, I'll take it. Like no, they, there's like there's nothing. They don't they do not they do not try to make it an anti gay thing at all. It's completely a, like uh, the joke is like he's like aggressively hitting on these guys, and it's like dude, focus, trying, you idiot, you're trying to recruit for your for the for the Dark Order. What do you do? That's that's kind of the Dark Order. Is there? They've become like this wacky goofball group of guys. But at this that's point fair. in time, they're still kind of self-serious. And I liked it, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah. And right now, their storyline is also the Mwahaha, the dark, the exalted one approaches. But also, they're trying to re- recruit Christopher Daniels, who's part of uh, SCU. And... <laughs> And there's there's a lot of like hint. There's basically they're trying to like hint that Christopher Daniels is in the group because they're they're kind of relying on some old continuity. Because in when Christopher Daniels wrestled earlier in his career, he he led a cult and he was called the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. And so they're kind of dropping hints that if you want to read into it, it can kind of feel like are they hinting that Christopher Daniels is the leader of this group? And this is all like a long con. But for now, as, as it is, it's more of a, they're trying to recruit him into the group. He has cult experience. Ah, uh, yeah, naturally. Yeah. So that's the Battle Royal group. And that's also basically the tag team division in AEW that, that covered almost all of the teams. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sure. Moving on to the next match is Shayna, uh, excuse me, Shanna versus Chris Statlander. So I guess we're going to get to talk about the women's division. I'll be honest. One of the worst things about AEW now and then is the women's division in that they don't really feature it a lot. Oh, they feature it significantly less than every other division. And it's obvious. And it's like, Oh, why? 
I mean, but, you know why, but like, <clears throat> oof. It's a bit oofy, yeah. But anyway, right now the story of the division is they have a new champion. Uh, the last week's show on February 12th, uh, Nyla Rose beat Riho. Uh, Nyla Rose is the native beast. She's known because she is Native American. And she is a giant hoss who, who can throw around all the other women like ragdolls. Naturally. Yeah, she just won the uh, AEW Women's Championship off of Riho, who was kind of just one of the uh, Japanese wrestlers that um, a lot the higher ups were a big fan of, and they kind of AEW tried to kind of make up for the fact they started out with a lot with they didn't start out with a lot of women who had telev- televised wrestling experience and were kind of like experienced veterans. They kind of tried to replace that, to kind of replace that with featuring um, Japanese imports. And yeah. Riho was one of them. And she was the inaugural champion. But now Nyla Rose is the champion. And it's like, okay, now we got to figure out, like, where does the rest of the division stand? And that's where this match comes in. Is Shanna, who is uh, Portugal's finest athlete. Yep, that's it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> and then Chris Statlander, who is an alien. Oh, my God. Well, Okay. <laughs> You could read into it that it's a whole, she thinks she's an alien, and everyone just kind of is like, ha, 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 right? (laughs) Women, am I right? Hey, man, hey. But uh, Chris Statlander is fun. She she either thinks she's an alien or is an alien, depending on how you want to look at it. (laughs) Fine. And they're having a match. All right, uh, John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. This cover. This is going to cover the uh, the current AEW World Title scene. Uh, right now, uh, Chris Jericho is the World Champion. His character is. Remember how he was like an eight, like a midlife rock star in WWE. What I if do he, remember that? What if he's even more of a midlife rock star in WWE? But oh my now, God. but now they're kind of emphasizing the fact that, like, dude. You're 50 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jericho. No, Jericho. <laughs> and he surrounded himself with the inner circle, which is AKA a bunch of other wrestlers to do his dirty work and kind of be oh there to, to be his sycophants. Uh, or Santana and Ortiz, as I mentioned earlier, are two of those wrestlers. They're the tag team of the group. Uh, you have Sammy Guevara, who's like the, young athletic guy of the group and also the one to get his ass kicked so Chris Jericho doesn't have to. He's <laughs> that, he's that mook in the group. I get my ass kicked so you don't have to. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of a, a super common wrestling trope when you have these kind of groups. You have the one guy who like all the good guys get to their kick his ass so that they don't have to kick so they don't kick the asses of the important people of the more important people. The Chris Jericho, who's somehow more important. Well, yeah, he's the superstar, man. He's the former WWE world champion. He's the oh important my guy. Here. And then Jake Hager, who also used to be in WWE. He was Jack Swagger in the Real Americans gimmick, if we want to go Oh, back no. To that. Oh, no. Uh, he doesn't do that now. Now he's just generic heavy. Okay, that's better. But that is what he was. That is what we have seen him before. From he doing the real Americans shtick. Fair. 
And he's fighting John Moxley, who was Dean Ambrose in The Shield. So we've seen him oh, before. Hey. Yeah. And so he's kind of like a, a man of the people ass kicker kind of character. And they've had a bit of a wild feud where Chris Jericho offered to uh, bring John Moxley into the inner circle so that Moxley wouldn't go after Jericho in the world title. And he goes to all the, all the trouble to like recruit him. And he's like, here are you this car. And it's like, uh, I don't remember what the model of the car is, but to put it in, this is a billionaire's car. It's Tony Khan's car that they use for this gag. If you want oh to get like, this is a rich guy car. And, okay. and, and Moxley, like he rejects the group, but not before he takes the keys and steals the car. <laughs> of course. Naturally. It's I great. Mean, you gotta. Yeah. So now Jericho is like, you have made an enemy for life. <laughs> you just made an enemy for life. I mean, he did because now they do a very old school, because then they do a very old school wrestling uh, trope where Jericho puts Moxley's eye out. He takes, Uh. he takes a spike off of his leather jacket and stabs Moxley in the eye. (laughs) Jesus. And for the, and for the most of the rest of the feud, he wears an eye patch. Of course he does. To sell the idea that he lost his sight. And Moxley gets revenge by taking out Santana's eye in a match. He uses the car. He uses his car keys to key his eye out. Oh my God. So now Santana's without an eye. And so now we're at the point of where Jericho's master plan is to hire a mercenary, Jeff Cobb, who is a, who is a pro wrestler who is not with AEW, still isn't. I don't believe he ended up signing. and But he was kind of just come in as this one-off appearance just to beat up Moxley. The idea being he has a world title match with John Moxley in 10 days. I'm going to have jo- Cobb beat the crap out of him so he's not healthy enough to be able to beat me when the time Fair. comes. And, so, and Cobb is kind of an athletic freak in that he's this like, he is he's like a massive dude and he can throw around everybody. Uh, he has legit amateur wrestling background and he is a strong boy. It's not going to seem as good because Moxley is smaller than Cobb, but Cobb can throw around dudes bigger than him. And he's he's kind of impressive to watch when he's when he's throwing around big guys. Yeah. So that's kind of this match is Mox is is is, is he's is Jericho is Jericho paying off Cobb to beat up Moxley so that Moxley's too injured to beat Jericho later. Oh, it's the circle of shit. <laughs> and then, okay, the AEW World Tag Team title match. Not only are we going to find out who the number one contenders are tonight, we're also going to figure out who's going to be the champion going into the pay-per-view. Obviously, Ooh. we have Hangman and, Hangman and Kenny Omega of the Tag Team yeah. Champions, and their opponents... The Lucha Bros, a.k.a. Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Okay. okay. All right. So to set up how, them, remember how I said that uh, when we were talking about um, um, Lucha Underground, how like Prince Puma is super impressive, but he's not the most physically athletic freak of this sh- freak of nature on this show. Yeah. Well, now you're going to meet the one who is. That would be Ray Phoenix. Oh, yes. I have never, I have been watching wrestling for years, and I have never seen somebody looks make the most insane athletic feats look so natural and so easy like Ray Phoenix. Oh, that's cool. He's nuts. 
Pentagon Jr. is then also my favorite wrestler in all of Lucha Underground. We, and I can't really explain why, because I want to save that for Lucha Underground. I can, but I can I, appreciate that. But I will say that he is a pit, that he looks like, that he looks like a, piss, a pissed off ninja skeleton man. And he will kick the shit out of you. And <laughs> Like that's kind of that's kind of the uh that's kind of the the um they're like that's kind of like the um um it's kind of the shtick with them is they're legitimate brothers and Ray Phoenix is the high flying flippy one and the and Pentagon Jr. is the will just straight up kick your ass one. Yeah, that's and, fair. Yeah. And so and and so there and they have the ti- the tag team title match with uh Hangman and Kenny Omega, and the question is, who's going to be the wor- who's going to be the tag team champions going into uh, the next pay per view? I get, yeah, all right. <clears throat> and then finally, uh, this the f- main event: a steel cage match between Cody. Oh. Uh, Cody, I haven't Rhodes- gotten to the cage match yet. No, he had a cage match too. Is Cody? Uh, who that's Cody Rhodes. Uh, basically, he until like two weeks ago he went by Cody is instead of Cody Rhodes to avoid any uh, legal issues with WWE about uh, copyright trademarks and all that shit. And he's taking on Wardlow. Okay. So Wardlow is the bodyguard of, is the paid bodyguard of MJF Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. I think you know a little bit about him because you watched a super eye patch wolves video about wrestling heels, right? Yeah, yes, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm trying to remember which Super iPad. So I know I watched the New Japan episode, and I'm pretty sure I watched the Heel episode too. Okay, because MJF is basically the newest iteration of spoiled rich kid asshole thinks he's better than everybody because he's a spoiled rich kid. Yeah. And so him and Cody have a bit of a are in a feud right now, and that's a bit of another long story too. Is basically they started AEW as friends, but also everybody understands that MJF is a piece of shit and will probably turn on Cody. So it's really a question of when is he gonna turn on Cody? <laughs> Not if, but when. When is it gonna? And the when was their last pay per view in November 2019 where Cody was in a world title match with Chris Jericho and Cody was like, I'm so confident that I need this world title that I'm going to make it a stipulation that if I lose the, if I lose this match, I never compete for the world title ever again. Holy shit. So the stakes are high and the match ends when MJF throws in the, throws the what throws in the towel on behalf of Cody of Cody. Oh no. And it's then revealed that he did that because it was all part of a long con on Cody. Oh no. So he betrayed Cody and it's all kind of like a, you're, you held me back. You held me down. And it's all obviously a bunch of bullshit, but, but Cody has the righteous anger. And so Mm. MJF did another, this is, this is a bit of an old school wrestling kind of tactic. It, okay. Cody Rhodes is clearly a big fan of the 80 Southern wrestling that his dad did because he loves to bring these tropes into his own storylines. But basically MJF put down the stipulations of you can have a match with me at revolution. If you do three things, the first thing was you're not allowed to touch me until the paper. Mm. And so he spent most of the last few weeks trying to get a rise out of Cody. 
push Cody to throw a swing, swing, swing a fist at him. Because if he does, oops, well, too bad. You don't get your match with me. And that's where the Butcher and the Blade came in before. Butcher and the Blade, uh, their gimmick is... Right now, there's kind of mercenaries that have an actual butcher shop. (laughs) They did a vignette Uh, But they also are getting paid by MJF to rough up the other members of the elite. They beat up the Young Bucks a lot. And they're they're aesthetically pretty cool. The Blade wears a Gimp mask to the ring, and the Butcher wears a monocle and looks like if Teddy Roosevelt got tatted up and became a pro wrestler. That's amazing. No, he the Butcher is the coolest looking dude. <laughs> but anyway, he he pays the bu- the Butcher and the Blade to beat up Cody's friends. That doesn't work. Which leads into stipulation number 2. Is okay. Cody Cody had to let MJF whip him with a belt live on TV. What? Like that that's the real old school southern wrestling thing is Kinky. Loser gets whipped with a belt. <laughs> and so they did they do a whole sec they do a, this is like the main event of the last show they of two two weeks shows ago where of Cody just standing in the ring and has to let MJF whip him with a belt 10 times and the whole time MJF is just taunting him, yelling at him, trying to get trying to uh, get a rise out of him or make him give up because either way that would work. Either yep. way, whether he swing, whether Cody gets mad and t- tries to hit him, or Cody can't take the pain anymore, doesn't matter. Either way, MJF gets out of the match, which is like the real story here is that he's putting all these thi- these these obstacles in front of Cody to, to try to get at, try to be. He's being a cowardly heel about it. He's trying to avoid. Yeah. The he's 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 making Cody have to su- like keep down his righteous babyface fury for vengeance. I mean, I mean, it's 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 falls along the line of like a lot of the tropes we've uh, a lot of the heels tropes we've seen uh, past you know in in our earlier episodes about about the the duplicitous cheating heel that just will do anything to not have to actually fight. No, yeah, and so that's and. And but Cody, of course, survives the ten lashes with the belt, and the the segment kind of has a funny end in the sense that like because Cody finishes the ten off, and he even by the end is like he's like standing up triumphant as if that like beating me with a belt didn't tear me down; it only made me stronger. Kind of. Uh. So so MJF's response is he kicked Cody in the balls and ran away. <laughs> He's like, okay, this didn't work the way I wanted it to, so bam. All right, I'm leaving now. Goodbye. Oh, hey, fuck you. But now we come to the third and final stipulation. Cody has to beat Wardlow in a steel cage match. This was it. If Cody wins, he gets a match with MJF. Hmm, It's all on the line now. And so, yes. yeah, I think that covers uh, everything. That's that's our matches for the night. I oh, I forgot. Oh shit, I did forget one thing because they're gonna because one of the right now they're doing a storyline in the women's division where she's not really wrestling very much, but she's like doing guest a guest commentator spot on this episode. So I have to mention her is Doctor Britt Baker DMD, uh, as the name the name and you can probably guess what her character is. 
is she's a, she's a dentist. DMD? Yeah, it's a that's the official um that's like the like le- whatever the official certification is is DMD. I thought it was I thought that was DDS. Now I don't remember. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah, remember. Whatever. whatever. Point yeah, being, whatever. he's a dentist. And it's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of funny because they initially brought her in to kind of be like a face of the women's division good guy. And nobody mm-hmm. liked it and nobody cared. And so they've kind of, recently, in the last few weeks, pivoted to make her a heel character where it's all about like, she's like, I'm a wrestler and a dentist. And it's it's very much a I'm blessing you with my appearance because I could go be a dentist. I have a dentist practice, dentist practice. But I, I'm you know, here I, with you schlubs. I gotta say, I'm slightly disappointed that they're that they're not doing a thing with her. That's like Lady Orvin Scrivello from from Little Shop. Like that'd be so much fun to have, just like a complete like sadist heel dentist character. That would be fun. Um, I mean, I guess in the previous episode, she like had a match. She did have a match, and after the match, she like curb stomped her opponent and in kayfabe knocked her teeth out. Oh shit! So there's that, but it's 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 this is like a one time thing, and like the next week, she's like. When trying to explain her actions, she's like, um, during the match, I saw that she basically plays the <laughs> during the match. She saw that the, your opponent had some issues with her teeth. So like she gave her free dental work because oh, of no. that nice of a person. Oh, no, no. No, I Britt Baker is incredible. So she does appear on this episode, and I I forgot to mention her. But so that covers everything. We've gone through the AEW Dynamite match card for February 19th, and we are ready to roll. Oh, I'm so excited. I I am very excited for this episode because it is pretty great. Yes. Right, and uh, we will see you guys in the back half. Back with the back half. All right. Uh, we are just finished uh, our first episode of AEW Dynamite, February 20, uh, February 19th, excuse me, 2020. Uh, what a show. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, that was like, unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember it being really good, but it's always, it's very fun to get a revisit, to get a rewatch it again, because it was just as good as I remember. Yeah. Oh my God. Every, every little thing about it was, was Mm -hmm. I, I had so much fun with that dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where, where do we want to start with this? I don't even know. Um, I think, well, what kind of was on my mind watching this whole thing um, was the vibe that it gave me because this, while this, uh, you know, contemporary era, whatever, you know, gave me mm-hmm. similar vibes as to ver- the very first episode we watched. It also felt markedly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that and I was trying to put my finger on why. Um, and I think part of it is like the structure too. Like this was a very match heavy show. This wasn't yeah. like going hard on story. This wasn't, you didn't have like a lot of backstage shenanigans. You didn't have like, this was, this was like a kind of Frankenstein marriage between the 80s WWF episode we watched mm-hmm. and the 2013 WWE. And I think, 
I like I'm thinking about this and it may sound really dumb and corny, but I think the best way to describe this was it was almost like really just comfy to watch. Mm. Like this felt like this I, I watching certain things I kind of get this like this like feeling deep within me of like this just feels comfortable and safe like this just feels mm-hmm. something feels like something I can put on and feel at home in and feel a little bit okay about everything watching mm-hmm. um and that that's just kind of what this was there was something about it um the 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 stylistic differences they take um to how WWE tends to do things. Um, it's got this slightly more like simplistic vibe. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it carries carries a lot of the weight that WWE does. This feels very much like, like um, we are coming out here to do our thing. We don't have the burden of all this like history and context, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, we're just here to have fun. Come have some fun with us. And mm-hmm. I think it achieved that in, in, in with flying colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, feels a little more, uh, I felt AEW feels not necessarily laid back in the sense. I think it still carries a lot of the same like dramatic weight that, that WWE does at its best. But yeah, it doesn't have this same like, it doesn't have the same like gravitas of um, of all these decades of history, and it kind of is is very fun in that it's this is an upstart new thing kind of way. Well, yeah, because because it it, it, it seems like they don't feel burdened by certain expectations mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. big thing. Like they're able to throw out things like a dude who's a who's a a, a dinosaur, uh, mm-hmm. um, or like. It, it just it feels like this really fun melting pot of all of these different aspects of of wrestling that we've explored so far, mm-hmm. and the deftness with which it uh, with which it handles and juggles all those things without making any of it feel too ridiculous or too forced, um, or mm-hmm. or even like too too um, um, too intense in like all the stuff it's trying to throw at you. It's mm-hmm. it's frankly astounding to me, um, and and it and it does give it this really nice feel, and I honestly think uh like kudos to you for your episode pick here like like starting off with that giant match um it was all it was like this this parade of 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 all the highlight of all the highlight personalities just kind of all mingling together and it didn't feel too crazy it didn't feel too chaotic it didn't feel too stressful it all just kind of it all just kind of like happened and it just Mm -hmm. it felt more than anything we've watched so far like i was watching like just a regular sporting event and laying back and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's, I mean, I can't take too much credit for this. I, 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 went, I went to the interwebs for this to kind of figure it out. But I mean, even without, uh, even if I didn't d- look up help for it and I just kind of had to pick one for myself, this myself, I probably still would have probably picked oh the episode where Cody jumps off the steel cage to skip to the end. Oh my god! But because ever because like that was the episode. That's kind of like the episode during one of AEW's best periods mm-hmm. of their entire existence at this point. Which is weird to say because it's been a short existence thus far. Yes, but I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, but yeah, that, that that opening match was was kind of the best kind of battle royal for me. Uh huh. In that, like, okay, I, I'm gonna 
I don't know if when or if we'll cover other battle royals, but kind of kind of a big problem I have with battle royals in general is that they can all kind of blend together a little bit in your head. In that, and it's not always the most exciting to watch because by nature of the match, because there's a lot of people there, and it's and the goal of the match is pretty simple: just throw the guy out. It can kind of devolve into a lot of like punch, punch, kick, kick. Let's try to push you over the rope until it's time for us to do a thing that a big important moment in the match. But I think this match did a really fun, good job of staying like engaging, even though that and kind of fun to watch. And all the story beats in between or kind of were throughout the match were fun. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it, it did a really good job at like it, it uh, at kind of, um, zooming in as the match progressed like when it started off obviously you know it's it's the big battle royal everybody's in so they're just kind of like pulling out and letting it all happen but as it went forward we got to see more specific snapshots of what was going on we got to mm-hmm. see luchasaurus getting toppled over the rope we got to see um um we got to see things with like with um the young bucks just going hard toward the end uh mm-hmm. we got to see some highlights dark legion was in there right uh, the Dark Order, yes, is well, their yeah. their secondary team of John Silver and Alex Reynolds got to wrestle that match, while yeah. Stu Grayson and Evil Uno hang at, hung out on the outside and just kind of like distracted people. <laughs> oh yeah, oh oh, and then we had uh, oh what's his face showing up, um, Lazy Dude. Uh, Orange oh, that Cassidy. That match? Yes, it was Orange yeah. Cassidy because he was yeah, Orange Cassidy. his friends and like sort of try to catch his friends, but also do it in the laziest way possible. Dude, that was so iconic, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, like it was, it was, it was just like it was fun. It felt mm-hmm. purely fun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and who were the who were the two kind of final guys standing against uh against Young Buck? That was uh, Santana and Ortiz of the so inner. Sant- Okay, yeah, the inner the inner circle guys. I kept like referring to them as like LMFAO in my head. Um, <laughs> I, I see the comparison. I see. I see that visually. I, I mean, see that, yeah. I mean, it's not, Ortiz with his like big at, big big hair. That's not even like a fair comparison to make because it's not like ginger. It's not like a ginger mm-hmm. afro like 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 mm-hmm. you know like Red Foo had. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it, <laughs> that's how I was referring to them. Yeah, but Santana and Ortiz, and they put up a good fight too. Like, like mm-hmm. they didn't feel like it was really interesting because like they didn't look to me like major players. Like they didn't have the look of major players to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they they went hard, and I it, it, it did suck me in. And I think I, I think something I noticed too broadly throughout this episode. This is kind of the most I've kind of out loud exclaimed at an episode so far. Like mm-hmm. I did a lot with the nineties episode too, like kinda kinda like, oh that was brutal. Oh man, that hit was hard. But like like yeah. here there was just a lot of moments where I felt really anchored to the story despite being like brand new to everything. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it I think it's because there's a certain like accessibility in its simplicity. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Is it like is they, I think AEW does a does a pretty good job of, of being uh, pretty accessible and kind of easier to get into, easy to mm-hmm. get into, and it kind of helps that they do have a lot of characters that are like kind of exactly what they look like they are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their their aesthetic they 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 have this really nice um, element to their aesthetic that mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it is if they're just really good at like 
um, um, distilling character traits down or um, or being good with like colors. I don't know, something about it, like everything felt like you could look at it and get a sense of what of like what the person was and what they were all about. If I had to, if I had to like make some guesses about how that would work, I would think it's a, a lot of it is the fact that like it's still very it's AW is very much feels more like an indie company would feel. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not an indie wrestling company, but it is run by and dominated by in their roster a lot of guys who have a lot of experience on the indie wrestling scene, mm-hmm. and so and a lot of their character aesthetics, if not straight up characters, comes from the indies. Like, yeah. So I think I think that kind of benefits it in a way because they because when you're an indie wrestler, you know. Um, we we never really talk deeply into the differences, but like the the whole idea of like how television wrestling TV is constructed doesn't exist on the indies. Like you can't like you don't you can't have these like lengthy mon- Shakespearean monologues or these backstage hijinks because you don't have a TV deal to kind of show off that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of like it is primarily just straight up matches and you kind of have to and if at mo like obviously now in the age of social media on the indie scene you can further um storyline stuff on yeah. social media but in terms of like what happens on the show and in indie shows it's pretty much just like match 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 and so you kind of have to be able to convey uh, your your like character and personality only through your own appearance and physical um expressions and body language you can't really you don't have the ability to just kind of like give paragraphs of a speech that like okay this is what this guy's all about which which it almost seems to me as if like i don't know if they just like have a really good team for this or if it's just Mm -hmm. like pure blind luck but every single person in there i think i think um has shown off some phenomenal acting chops. Like, like I felt uh, here a lot more like um, solid, um, understandable, and like easily definable characters come across with half these people who I did not hear speak a word. Mm-hmm. Like at first glance, um, you were just able to like like the way they carried themselves and the way they used their faces and the way they fought. Um, they, I, I think, I think AEW has done a fantastic job of, of casting very, um, physically gifted, um, uh, fighters, not, not just, um, as wrestlers, but as performers who, who, um, seem to have a sense about themselves about how to, um, how to convey, um, how to convey ideas with just their body. And it's, 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 it's a talent to be sure. And I think, I think an underappreciated one. Uh, so one that I definitely want to give a lot of kudos to as we kind yeah. of talk about this. And they, and it's, it's definitely, uh, they have an incredibly talented roster of guys. Oh my God. It is like, they, they have a very, they have, they have, they've got a lot of guys who are very, very good at, at their job. I mean, I mean, we saw upteen examples of that in this episode mm-hmm. and and in all different ways too like that's the other cool thing this none of this felt like stuff that like again didn't blend together um mm-hmm. you you have you have it displayed in, in beautiful ways like i keep latch i keep like 
name dropping Luchasaurus just because he's so easy to like stick in your mind. Oh like, yeah, he is. He's he's this he's six six or something like that. He is jacked with giant tattoos all over him, but then also he wears this a dinosaur mask. mask. Yeah. And, and he all and he also like does karate kicks really well. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. But but he uses his he uses his stature very well. And so mm-hmm. he has he has this great physicality about him where he stalks about, which is different than the young bucks who just who just go ham on everything, which is different than like Santana uh and and Ortiz who are um who are almost kinda like they they they, they almost felt like slightly reminiscent of an evolved form of of like the heart foundation to me where like they gave off kind of like evil henchman vibes but like Which it, it was more kind of a role of this in, in the inner circle is to yeah. be a hench evil henchman to jericho <laughs> but but it, but it didn't feel cartoony though that was the nice mm-hmm. thing it felt like they were side characters but it felt like they were side characters who could take your ass if you met them in a dark alley mm-hmm. um like like they were they were legitimately intimidating and and i legitimately was like felt like they were a threat to the to the young bucks now i wasn't sure who was going to emerge victorious there yeah i thought for sure the young bucks were kind of the uh young bucks were kind of doomed um or you have and that, and that, um, was, and that was kind of the kind of the owner the the largest story of the match is is the is the is early in the match uh nick jackson of the young bucks gets eliminated and that means they're still in it both guys have to go out but suddenly the their matt jackson is alone mm-hmm. in the ring and by the end he's alone with two or three other heel wrestlers yeah he's got to fight them all off by himself oh yeah exactly um or like even even something like the mox fight where where you have mox like getting thrown around um but um dude was getting thrown around in a way that like it felt real i was like dang this guy's like i i I made a comment to you as we were watching like like oh man this guy's like this guy's getting knocked around like a bitch it felt convincing Mm -hmm. to me um um or obviously you have that final match um um between um Uh, between cody and uh, yeah yeah um where where i mean you just have wardlow the beast and cody like cody pulling off these insane aerials or you have um you have the lucha brothers uh and um and uh fucking uh Uh, page and page and uh page and kenny um where where they were all just beautiful showmanship in some way or other. I mean, it's it just it's it's I com- I have to commend AEW for just how strong they are like this early on in their lives. Mm-hmm. I I definitely agree. They they've they've kind of all they've kind of like hit the ground running in terms of like they immediately really put it put things together really well. Like mm-hmm. this, like this is a wrestling company that has existed for at this point of the show is they've existed for nine months, but they've only been on national television for about four months. Dang. I mean, I, and, and it's, and it's impressive. Like they've, they've adjusted as well as they have as quickly as they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and the other thing too, was like, I felt, I, I felt drawn into these, uh, these characters in a really unique way like more than anything else we've watched so far like they felt real to me um and i and i i'm trying to and i've been kind of trying to think about like like it felt it felt again it felt very aesthetically similar to the 2013 wwe episode we watched but i was trying to think like what's the dividing factor um what what's like the thing that for some reason i'm like 
I'm latching on ever so slightly more to these guys than I was at WWE. And I feel like it is that kind of like grittiness of the, of the indie vibes. Um, mm. Like these feel like it, it, it's, it's really funny in, in these people being, you know, slightly clearly like either slightly like either to say, uh, say they're, they feel like slightly more amateur or to say they don't feel like as prestigious that mm-hmm. lends this, 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 um, this credibility to them. Um, that even though I know like these are people playing characters, I, I think there's some in my mind saying like, yeah, but they can't be that much of characters or they can't be mm-hmm. like, um, like it, it's not like I'm watching a lister John Cena go out and go out and bloviate or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. watching, I'm I'm watching Kyla Rose just like beast out, and I know she's playing a character, but mm-hmm. but she just feels legit to me, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, damn, I'm into this. Yeah, um, I I could have a a, a guess on that, and I don't, I don't wanna I don't like put it, it feels weird to put to say that I don't like to put too much of my own bias in this in this show, but in the sense that like. I have very, as, as being a fan of eight years, I have very defined wrestling opinions, TM. And, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I, like, I hate the idea of like me inserting all of my opinions in it and kind of like glomming them onto you. And like, I, w- I, w- I want like your, no, no, please. Your I, I want your insight. But uh, a kind of thing that I think that might help with this kind of vibe of like feeling a little more real is, is this, is this idea of, of the, of, of, um, of, uh, of the script. And I, I guess it doesn't work quite in this episode because nobody really cuts a promo except Nyla Rose, but kind of this, I, because, but it, it's kind of well said that in, in WWE, especially in now, they, they're very tightly mm-hmm. scripted. It's a very tightly scripted show. Like they write out word for word, what everybody's got to say. And they have to, it, they have to memorize. It's that's like a, any other TV show, but that go, that's not how wrestling usually works. Historically speaking, yeah. like normally how it goes is like, you have someone like of like a booker, like Vince McMahon or whoever, and they'll be like, okay, here's what we're, here's this, this, this is going to happen, but they don't really blot out the details. It might be like, okay, um, Randy Savage, you're going to cut a promo on uh, honky tonk man. And you got two minutes and, and they might give a little bit, about like what we want you to talk about. Like he might talk about like how he, he's insulting Elizabeth or whatever, but otherwise they don't really t- yeah. they wouldn't tell macho man what to say. He'd, he'd have macho man would have to like come up with himself and how he thinks his character would, would do it. It's very not improv necessarily, yeah. but it, it's, it's kind of like, Make, you make the character you you make the character your own, and you may and you bring your own voice to it as as best you as best you think you should. And AEW does does that. The AEW doesn't tightly script. I don't know if they do have scripts for anybody. I would if I had to guess, I would say that maybe if someone's not quite comfortable coming up with their own st- stuff, that that they can kind of be guided along by somebody but it is not the same it is not tightly mm-hmm. scripted in the same way and for guys who are veterans uh, who are like very comfortable talk like coming up with their own stuff they're that's what they're doing they're they're not being told by anybody this is what you got to say 
Like you're going to come up with your own mm-hmm. stuff. So I think that that lends to this idea, this, this of making it feel a little easy. It makes it feel a little more real because the wrestlers themselves are the ones who are, who are kind of crafting these characters. They have, and the, instead of it being like a writer and yeah, I think, I think that might be it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like it feels like these are extensions of them in some mm-hmm. way. Or at the very least, like, these are characters that come naturally to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here, like, everybody's clearly having, like, such a good time. Like, it feels like everybody feels in control of what they're, of, of what they're playing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like as Puppet Master controlled from the top. It feels like, it feels like everyone's just kind of, like, going out there and doing their thing. And I'm just over here rooting for, like, man, y'all are having so much fun. You go, go you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I do think that comes from the kind of the difference a, a difference between you know your this is this is what your you what this is what your character duh, is and this is what he's going to say versus okay what would your character say what yeah. is he going to do how can you how can you define that sort of thing mm-hmm. for yourself yeah and that's and that's just I think a good acting practice really as as an as an, an amateur actor a community theater actor myself you know i mean i, I mean i mean no absolutely mm-hmm. and and i mean it i mean kind of to compare this to community theater i guess this would be mm-hmm. more like regional theater um mm-hmm. if 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 wwe is like the proverbial broadway um mm-hmm. there's there's something about it that's like it's a little more it's a little more raw but that's i don't want to mm-hmm. i i, I kind of hesitate to say raw because that sounds so like kind of cliche and almost condescending but like and also, and also wwe has a show called raw <laughs> that's yeah uh-huh. hey. Raw. <laughs> hey hey but anyway. like it can, but but like that sort of vibe carries a certain charm about it of like this isn't this isn't like the most like mickey mouse sanitized version of of the product this is yeah. this is people coming together and doing doing their their best to put on a show like it feels like it has a face to it um mm. and i think that makes it a lot more engaging um mm. so as i'm sitting there watching that battle royale i'm 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 already like kind of noticing noticing myself like really drawn in and, and yeah like 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 thinking for for one of the first times really about like damn what is this outcome going to be i want i actively would like to know yes. uh, and it stayed that way and it, it stayed that way the whole time um um i mean like <laughs> we uh, you i i i uh, i was giving you i was giving you a good laugh yesterday as i was just like as i was just like, <laughs> i want kyla rose to step on me um um and like for as much as I was playing that up and like because because it was because it was funny and I like saying shit like that like there is an element of that that's legit because I'm just like man this is a legit kind of like intimidating person and she feels real and that's really hot (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like and I'm like, and I'm like, dang, I'm rooting for this heel. Like, I don't give a shit that yeah. she's a heel. She's a good, like, this is the first heel I've looked at where I'm like, I don't give a shit that you're a heel. You're a good guy in my heart. Yes. This, Which this is, this I is didn't a com- realize could be dilemma. a feeling. This is a common dilemma in the wrestling fandom, but not of, of like cheering the bad guys. And there's a whole, there's, that's a whole discourse unto its own about that. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if we need to get into any of it because I don't know if any of it's super relevant to talk about in this episode. Mm-mm. 
I mean, I guess like I guess I could say is that uh, I guess the most relevant thing is I think a lot of motivation for people to like cheer the heels. I think I know for some people they want to they want to paint this kind of like intentionally contrarian, especially in a yeah. especially in a WWE environment where in many times where WWE almost kind of likes to paint itself like against as an antagonist to their own fandom. But yeah. But I really do think that a lot of it is the fact that um, heel work is that heels can be extremely engaging characters themselves mm-hmm. and more so than than people following what is the 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 wanting to follow the good guy because he's more he or she is morally upstanding, which is the goal, I guess, is that people would are sometimes more drawn to just who's the more compelling character. And that yeah. sometimes is the heel. Yeah, no, uh, but but this this felt different for me than than mm. like rooting for bad guys has for me in the past. Like like you know me, I love my villains. Mm. I love playing villains. I love like I love cheering on the villain. I love mm. I love standing the villain, whatever. But like this was kind of the rare, like, like I said, the rare instance of of. I I was just into her from the get go before I fully conceptualized that she was a heel. Mm-hmm. And that and that uh, those few like that wasn't that was like a minute before like that was like a minute into her promo, um, just like a minute's worth of kind of content there, and that was enough to kind of win me over. And then when I realized she was supposed to be heel, I'm like, well, fuck that, I'm not rooting against you. Uh, awesome. Like, no. like there was no like this. This wasn't even me like trying to be contrarian or trying to mm-hmm. be like root for the bad guys because it's fun to be evil. This is just mm-hmm. like. No, you're cool. I wanna. I'm. I'm on your side, dude. Like that. Like that. That. That is a thing that like not even like the greatest like villains can accomplish for me a lot of the time. So like mm-hmm. that's almost an impressive feat in, in and of itself. Um, and again, I think speaks really well to the vibe that they're able to establish that can really engage their their vip with just how well they're able to present these these characters as archetypes mm-hmm. and as just kind of engaging personalities from from the first which um i i think that's a good way to talk into is kind of like the we've kind of talked at, through most of the first match of the battle royal the second match and mm-hmm. like and the interview and the promo afterwards is kind of like a uh, kind of like an an a uh, an intro through uh, a lot of the major players in the women's division at this point in time yeah and they're all very different people is yeah and they're all and most of them are pretty engaged i think are engaging characters which is a first for us on this show we have just happened to not really um watch an era of time where women's wrestling is good (laughs) yeah not yet anyway there's admittedly there's not a a north america there's not a lot of times where you can (laughs) say i mean what the, the 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 golden age was 2014 to what like like 18. now like, oh okay well I, I guess now it's still but like i the peak is is it, it, you, yeah 2014 to now in wwe is the is the best time for women's wrestling so and there are other eras where there are like pockets of like good but this this is really the best era for um you know consistently good across the whole the whole division kind of thing. Yeah. And in, in AEW um 
Yeah, so in AEW tonight, we had um, we had Nyla Rose, who is the champion and is just kind of like uh, she's the physically biggest and strongest in the division and is happy to bully everyone else around because of that. Yes. <laughs> um, Mom. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's no, it's this is great content. <laughs> um, we have Riho, who we got a little bit of her in the in the in the back out in the um pa- the video package explaining how Nyla Rose won the title. The yeah. former champion Riho, who is just kind of like the the pl- um like the plucky. Not necessarily, not really an underdog. She's a 13 year veteran. It's not really an underdog at that point, mm-hmm. but she's kind of like the, the kind of like the, the just morally good person. Yeah. Like she, like she's just the good, she's just a good guy and that's fine. And that's fine. Like you don't always need to be more, com- you don't ne- always need to be more complicated than that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, again, we're talking about ingenious and its simplicity is kind of seems to be the theme of this episode. So like, sure. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Chris Statlander, uh, who is, who is an alien and boots. Yes. Uh, okay. I want to say that I feel like, I don't, I don't know if it was, if it was uh, a, a fu- like if it was like a, a groaning way or like a, laughing along kind of way but i feel like for when i was going through these characters in the first half like it kind of got this reaction of like from you and i was like i don't know if you're going to be into it or not and i feel like for most of those characters that that i wasn't sure how you were going to react to you did end up getting really into it well yeah like well, we, because, 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 act- like, because like because the way you describe some of these, I'm like, this sounds like it belongs on Lucha Underground, where I'd be super into it. But like here, really, this is supposed to be like my my chill like indie vibe thing, where we're not going super weird on the characters, and like we're not we're not trying to force any like really dumb shit that like WWE would pull of like of like this is a supernatural being, and you just have to live with that motherfucker. But but like. But again, I think I think I think they they captured something about the um about not focusing so much on the fact that they were like these ridiculous outlandish characters, but instead using those as like framing devices to to build an accessible archetype, um, mm. where where you were able to you were able to totally get on board with it, um, mm. just by virtue of how they presented themselves, um, without them having to force all this weird kind of like backstory shit into it. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think I, that's kind of why I was groaning and that's why it was able to win me over. Cause it didn't do the thing that I would expect them to do with characters yeah. like that. Cause I, f- I felt like Chris Statlander is the alien is kind of like the peak example of that. Mm-hmm. Cause, I, Cause I, I felt like by the end you were really into Statlander. Oh my God. I love Statlander. Statlander is great, dude. She is fantastic. I like, so I happy love- she won. Uh huh. And like, like she just kind of makes it work, even if the gim- the gimmick is silly. Like, it's implied that she just thinks she's an alien. It's implied that she's not an alien, of course. That she just yeah. thinks she is. <laughs> but because, she just you just yeah. totally buy into this this that she's like kind of airheadedy in that way that in that way that you are when you believe you're an alien who crash landed on Earth, <laughs> but. When she, but she has, but she's like able to be like a really like sympathetic good guy character anyway. 
Well, yeah, and there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a certain charm about her just kind of mm-hmm. playing up this almost like edge lordy. Um, I don't talk because I'm an alien. I'm just here to do fight. I, uh, I boop you on the nose because I, I boop I you am, on the nose because I am an alien who does not know human cultural things. I know. There's, it's, it's simultaneously like, like, it, it. it they're they're like she's clearly going for like some sort of like you know intimidation factor with like the the acting weird mm. um but it doesn't feel like she's like she or the show are remotely taking it like too seriously it just it just all feels like part of the fun mm-hmm. like i think i think part of the thing with like wwe that like i can have i can struggle with sometimes like it feels like it gets so bogged down in its own self-importance mm-hmm. whereas like whereas this this feels like um uh this feels like uh i don't want to say a cartoon come to life mm-hmm. um but something something akin to that like um like these feel like these feel like pop art drawings um mm-hmm. um that were brought into three dimensions and made like made to fit the real world seamlessly mm-hmm. um and and but it also seems aware of the fact that they started out as pop art drawings um and doesn't then try to try to like grim dark them into the ground or whatever it's just uh it's just fun and i think that's mm-hmm. what works about it it's just fun mm-hmm. um speaking of not too grim dark but fun darby allen but now <laughs> darby was great dude yeah darby- I know. I, oh I, I I think I've, I didn't bring him up in the first half because I didn't remember that he was a part of this episode. Oh my god! But Darby Allen is is kind of hysterical. To he's kind of amazing. It's like okay, I want okay. I'm gonna say that like this is it like it feels like there are multiple characters in um, AEW that kind of fit my per- very particular brand of millennial aesthetic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. One of them is Hangman who is the insecure, depressed cowboy. Then you have uh, Orange Cassidy, who's, um, he he does the bare minimum for this shit because, you know, it's just a job, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you have Darby Allen, who who like has half of his face painted up skeletal style. He he, he has the purest goth aesthetic where he comes to the ring on riding a skateboard that he then uses as a weapon. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, it, it, it's literally like it's, it's them just throwing together all these hodgepodges of, of cliches, but that's the the cool thing. It never feels condescending. It Mm -hmm. feels in touch. Because and because I think they're really good at not making any of their concepts feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, I hope it stays that way because because it feels really cool to have these characters that that if they were done remotely wrong could just all come off as how do you oh. do, fellow kids? Yeah, and all and just very cringe. It it, it could yeah. it could be a lot more cringe than it is. But Darby unironically kind of felt like a badass and and i felt i felt i felt really silly like thinking this and saying this until you said what you said about like appealing to your very civic millennial vibe because i think there was something there that i was trying to grasp at but i couldn't put words to Mm -hmm. but but like when darby showed up um which and again 
to for 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 the uh, for the woke listener out there, this is a very silly thing to say as like as like a skinny straight like cis white dude um, who can see himself in so many like different properties. But like but like WWE, the world of professional wrestling is a, is a world of very jacked dudes, and I am not a very jacked dude, and I am not very much like the manly man's man or anything like mm-hmm. that but then darby showed up and it's like fuck that's my aesthetic like he's this lanky dude uh in like a black in some black suit ass get up half of his face painted like jack goddamn skellington uh, <laughs> i knew you, i knew you would see it like that that would be the I'd way you like, get at it oh you know me so well this is why this is be like oh it's jack skellington <laughs> like of course i mean I, fuck off but it but like but no it's it's and I just identified with it immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's me. That's me in a wrestling ring. Holy mm-hmm. shit. And it felt so cool. Yeah, I know. And that you did kind of touch on something that's kind of uh, a, another interesting difference. And, and it's not really intentional, I don't think. It's more of just like the state of being of wrestling. Is that basically like yeah. WWE has always been a very, especially under Vince McMahon, it's always been a body aesthetic kind of thing. Like, oh, well, like yeah. Vince McMahon has always loved the idea of jacked bodybuilder esque dudes punching each other and and i'm not gonna knock that at all because you know like results speak for themselves on that it works for a reason yeah Yeah, but it but that is the the very specific aesthetic that wwe goes for and it's only very recently that we've been able to see significant success from guys who don't have that kind of body shape and it's like Uh, AEW, because it kind of is, it pulls from a very like indie feel to it. And the indies, you know, it, that's, that you can't have that kind of, like that, just that kind of body type exists, but not in the same, not in the same quantity because mm-hmm. almost like, because you can't, it's, it's very hard to maintain. First of all, because indie wrestlers don't make a lot of money. So yeah, first of all, so they can't, very, they can't hire very, like million dollar personal trainers or some shit. I, they, they can't, they can't afford to like be able to keep their body in peak physical condition. And in, mm-hmm. and in addition, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, like a, uh, just a cycle of like, if you are the kind of guy with that kind of body, you're not going to be in the Indies very long anyway, because yeah. he's going to know. And they're going to be like, Hey, want to come yeah, the- so, And the guys who are still there, like are the ones that are have the look that WWE passes up. So I so I think AEW has a lot more as a lot of varied body shapes and body types because of yeah. the nature of of that they are coming from a very indie kind of background. They're kind of almost a super indie and they do not have the same like they don't have the same like desired as that push as, as desired aesthetic as WWE. Well, the the other thing too, like like kind of kind of in that vein is like there were there were um, there were no less than like three lady wrestlers of color that were like having a having a moment uh, mm-hmm. at some point or other in this show. Whether that be whether that be Kyla, whether that be um, um, uh, Big and Swole, uh, yeah, whether that have, be you have Riho, who's Japanese, Nyla Rose, who is Native American, Riho too, yep, and uh, Big Swole is bla- is African American. And um and and, I, uh, and you have Brand- Cody's wife Brandy who didn't wrestle. Wife. 
she's also a black woman and she was a significant part of the episode. Yeah, but like like Sam, just that casual rep. It's 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 awesome. Um and and I mean I think that's part of why I I, I latched onto Rose too is just like uh, just this feel of like of like damn this isn't just like the same copy paste like semi semi body model uh 2013 WWE diva yeah um, there, that was that is... was very much WWE's gotten a lot better about that but in 2013 yep. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm sure they have, but like from what I've seen and kind of what I associate with like modern day lady wrestling, like mm-hmm. just because of just based on what I've been exposed to thus far, um, mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is this is freaking um, this is this is a freaking woman of color, a big thick woman of color in a doublet, like like yes, that's that's different and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think throughout this whole thing, it just felt like again, it felt so welcoming to all these different types, um, which keeps it engaging. It keeps it from all blending together as just like a bunch of big, big swole white dudes fighting. Like there's still a lot of what it is, and like and obviously mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But That's, like, but they but they vary it up, and even the even the 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 big swole white dudes all feel different. Um, it doesn't ever feel like copy and paste or like unimportant um it, it's just all like it, it it all um they each have their own vibe much more so than i think uh uh than than wwe or wwf whatever has ever accomplished mm-hmm. and in a dignified way too yeah so yeah so, yeah uh so I, I guess the uh the big stuff to come out of this ep- I've, I've this is kind of uh, i I guess I was also going to say is like, this was our first match heavy episode. We talked about it before. This is, this is kind of, we kind of picked an interesting point in the story and it's all, it's almost like a mini resolution point. It's not quite, Hmm. it doesn't, it's not, it's obviously not a resolution point in any story of this, of this uh, tale because you know, it's, we're 10 days out from the the pay-per-view, but a lot of stories and a lot of stuff comes to get a lot of stars align for this pay for the pay-per-view coming up in this one episode is you have, is you have um, the women's title picture is kind of crystal clear. Now the, the kind of like the B story is the tag team title sit picture. Who's the who is going to be the champions. Who's going to be the challengers. And oops, it comes out to the what you'd probably most expect, but f- because for if for nothing else, it's the most dramatically interesting, where the young bucks are the are the number one contenders, and mm-hmm. their two closest friends are the tag team champions. It's a heel or it's a face. It's a face off. Mm-hmm. Face versus face match for sure. And 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 they injected. A visual metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the end of the match, like they're ha- both Hangman and the Young Bucks are helping Kenny up, and like they briefly both tug on his arms, but it, but the real money shot is when he backs away from them both because like he's like, "I'm up, I'm up. Don't worry about it." And like very distinctly, Kenny's in the middle, Bucks on one side, Hangman's on the other side. <laughs> He's torn between two sides. This is so good, mm-hmm. and it and it does it did a great job of kind of furthering the story I was kind of talking to you about when we started. Mm-hmm. Is it's, it's all about you know they're all 
technically friends, but Hangman is insecure and unsure of his own place in his friend group, and he's concerned that his own tag team partner, if if it came down to it, would turn his back on him, would turn his back on him for his other for their other friends. And you see that play out in the in a visual metaphor in this very episode where Kenny is kind of being he's again this is a real Sophie's choice. Oh my god. Yeah. And and like again, it, it works so well too, coming off such a good match. Oh yeah. Um this was a, this was the fir- your first exposure to uh two of Lucha Underground's finest, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Oh my god, uh, they were they were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, I like like what you said about Phoenix making the like physically near impossible look like easy and nothing. Mm-hmm. That dude freaking walked on the top rope like a like like a tight wire in a mm-hmm. way that uh, in in a way that made me feel like eh, I could do that. Like, yeah, and those and those were and and, and ring ropes are not like taught some of them are you but in especially in the olden days but especially now they like they're not really that they're they're, they're tight but not that tight <laughs> like yeah. that requires a lot of skill to be able to do that and dude just did so it with easily. ease like like it was nothing and then he, and- he like does these he does these insane setups of moves like he does like a two like he does a step up move where he like he steps onto the middle rope, then he steps up to the top rope, and then he flips out over to the outside of the ring. And he does oh that with no effort at all. The flips he was able to do. Or like or like he got flipped over he got he got flipped over uh uh um Kenny's thing at one point. And dude dude did a freaking backflip and then like nothing turned around and like yeeted Kenny. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. It, it was some yeah. move like that. I was just sitting there like, like that was so fluid. That was nothing. That was done automatically. Mm-hmm. He is Ray. Ray Phoenix is one is, is, is so fluid. Again, I don't understand how he works. I think he just decided that human physics doesn't, doesn't, isn't good for him. And doesn't apply to him. Doesn't yeah. apply to him. He doesn't need them. <laughs> nah. So it's like, yeah. what, what do you, how do you do this dude? <laughs> It, oh my! Well, I was I was coming to you as we were watching it. Like that whole match, and it, it, every single person was a great show of of athleticism and physicality. I mean, I mean, Pentagon obviously wasn't as crazy, but he was still a crazy high flying dude. Um, uh, we have we have we have wee wee little Kenny over here. Um, he can uh, hang. He can hang with Phoenix as best as any other human being could hang with Phoenix. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, that. Uh, he just put up a strong fight in general. Uh, and what you were saying about Hangman being like the weakest, uh, the weakest uh, athlete there. Gotta, yeah, Hangman is the weakest athlete there. Like that's still like power level well over nine thousand. Especially Absolutely. because, as, as as I remarked to you, what he what he lacks in like in like show off like Phoenix has, he more than makes up for in just being such a strong character like like this is a dude who does not seem to lose energy he just keeps going whether he's on the side of the ring like 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 pumping pumping up or like in in ring he just does not stop like this man seems like he has the endurance of a of a freaking like a mountain like Mm -hmm. like he just holds on and does not stop Mm mm-hmm 
And he's and he's he kind of exists to be like also the physically strongest person in that match. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and 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 and, they, and that comes across very well. Again, I think because they've they've done a really good job of constructing these characters, like this kind mm-hmm. of like deeply like 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 it on on one hand, you know, obviously troubled soft boy, but but mm-hmm. it's so deeply brutal when he gets in the zone. But when he yeah, when he's with that that's that's Hangman's thing, really, is that like he he's he's there, he's a troubled soft boy who like does who barely if if at all believes in himself. He's got out he's he's a developing an alcohol problem. But like when he's actual when he's locked in and ready to go, he's he's basically unstoppable. He, I mean, I'm, I mean, Jesus, this is like speaking to the millennial race of like, of like, this is what you could be. Sure, y'all, y'all are depressed as shit and just want to drown your sorrows. But, but just like this motherfucker, if you get in the zone and stay there, what you can, what the, the way you can harness all that crap for your own gain and just like, and just go to town on whatever you need to do, like, it's, it's 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 inspiring mm-hmm. this is this is our this is my version of the morality play that i subscribe to yeah this is the character but damn i feel it and i'm here for it and mm-hmm. i want to be i want to be able to like be as strong as hangman and like and like when the going gets tough the tough get going like damn yeah, and also we're not even we haven't even really hit the peak of that kind of energy because right now in the storyline, skipping ahead about till today, uh, mm-hmm. in November, is he's kind of at the he's he's kind of hit at his lowest point where um obviously eventually uh Kenny and him lose the tag titles. And yeah. Kenny is kind of kind of taking this kind of a kind of a heel turn and of like meh like he just doesn't really care about Hangman anymore. He kind of sees him as like kind of dead weight to him. It's like it's the Kenny show now. We're going to be the single star I'm destined to be. While Hangman's like, oh, it's okay. We're going to be a tag team together again, right? Like hmm. it hasn't quite clicked for him about this. And it's and he's kind of hit, he's about he's kind of hitting his like deepest points of depression and loneliness that he will come back from and he's going to be and I think eventually he's going to have this long-term story of like he realizes he doesn't need to depend on he he he, he needs friends but he like doesn't need the valid like he is good as he is he doesn't need the validation of anybody else and he doesn't mm-hmm. need to feel inferior to anybody else he's just he is he is good enough as he is. And oh, yeah. right now we're at the low point of that. And that's very exciting. But back to February. Yeah. Um, it, 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 he's, he's, he's in a much higher spot, at least mm-hmm. it kind of feels he's like. Kinda, yeah. He's kind of riding high as the tag team champions. Him and Kenny are getting it together. It's kind of like a story, kind of a, and I don't know how well you could appreciate it because you haven't, you didn't watch the other matches with, this is like the third match between Hangman and Kenny and the Lucha Bros. But the last two matches, the Lucha Bros won both times because Hang, there was a miscommunication and Hangman. Yeah, I, I, they, they, they were, they were, they were the, the about that yeah, yeah. they would accident he would accidentally hit kenny or kenny would accidentally hit him and like lucha bros would win and but like this match they don't have that problem at all yeah no they're able to they're able to kind of get it together and be the unstoppable force that they're capable of being which is which which even as someone who hasn't seen 
any of the stuff just the announcers kind of name dropping that a little bit of like of like man they've been struggling with communication but like if they can pull together they're 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 it's who, knows, who knows what, yeah and i and i felt myself rooting for it even mm-hmm. just with that little bit of context i was mm-hmm. like yes i am into this and that is the best role of announcer if if, if we can shortly talk about like a role of an announcer in a wrestling show yeah uh that's kind of it like they they at least in my view of of like what a wrestling announcer should be is they should kind of be like there to help kind of guide the audience along especially newer viewers of what the story is they're like Mm -hmm. not quite a narrator i mean i guess they kind of are if you want to look at it that way Mm -hmm. but like they're there to help kind of frame the story for viewers and kind of guide them of like where of what is going on right now and and like that works in this match is they were there to be like, even for someone who'd never seen the other matches to know like, okay, so the thing is, is that Hangman and, and Kenny Omega are, are a great tag team when they can communicate properly and they don't always. Yeah. And they have to compete against a team. And that they do a good job at highlighting that. Yeah. And, and, and that's contrasted with the team they're facing against who are literally brothers. There couldn't be a, there couldn't yeah. be better communication between the Lucha brothers yeah precisely this is this is as this is as communicative as it gets folks Mm -hmm. these are men who have an understanding Mm -hmm. uh and so there was that and then i guess the the c story i'm gonna save the a story for last for the the c story of 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 moxley and and jericho was kind of a minor one but i think it was a very fun one of of moxley having to deal with the hired gun of jeff cobb I told you he's physically impressive. <laughs> oh my god, that dude was massive. Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, um, uh, Luchasaurus, like, obviously felt like a felt like a big brawly dude, um, and he was super impressive. But like, mm-hmm. this guy, even without having like that same level of just like extremely distinctive like uh, standout physicality, like this dude was a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he just stomped around and it felt like it felt like a mini andre the giant sort of situation mm-hmm. of like this is a giant that you have to fell and it was um and i guess like i kind of figured like man if mox is getting thrown around this early in the in the um in the match of course it's going to be played where he comes back and everything like mm-hmm. it's the it's it's the giant slaying that austin has told me about before but that didn't make it feel any less cool when that turnaround did start to happen because they did a really good job at playing it as like this is a man that is hard to knock down and this looks like a dude who's really hard to like make do anything he or physically make do anything he does not actively want to be doing mm-hmm. and and you get and you have Jericho hanging out on the outs hanging out in the front row kind of just do it like je- jeering them on as he watches his evil plan come. Oh my god, Jericho is hysterical. Oh, he absolutely is. As as I, as, as I told you, he's kind of playing like the same rock star character that he was in 2013. But, in, but WWE, because, and I think it's a lot of because he was like in much better physical shape, he was younger. WWE played that a lot cooler than AEW does, where there's almost this sense of like, dude... Yeah. You're too old to be this like rock to try to be this like rock star. <laughs> he he almost You're feels like a super villain in his own right. Yeah. 
this this kind of like pathetic uh not well not even pathetic dude seems terrifying um mm-hmm. but this this like petulant uh this petulant tantrumer um who's just going off and you're like dude take a take a xanax jesus like, calm down and that is that is that is kind of what jericho does really well is kind of is being like this extremely petulant overreactive person and and to kind of skip ahead to uh something aew does later this year later in the year i think the that plays off really well he gets in a feud with orange cassidy and <laughs> Honestly, the best part of this feud is the fact that Orange Cassidy will do his same lazy, barely cares stuff, and Jericho just takes it as like the biggest faux pas offenses he's ever experienced, and it's hilarious contrast. But he is so emotionally invested in this, and Orange Cassidy's just like, whatever. Dude, he's gonna do it. Dude, Jericho's gonna give himself a heart attack. Well, I love too now that like Jericho's this like this like big McLarge huge now, like just extremely slow. But like, but he's off to the sidelines, just like just like throwing a fit instead of like going in and doing shit himself. Like he's got his he's got his pet rock in there to like to to go and do the dirty work. Yeah, he for has him. his he has his entire group of lackeys, so he doesn't have yeah. to do any real work. Which is which? Which uh, not to not to look ahead for a story I haven't even seen, but it makes it the kind of perfect <laughs> matchup um, for Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, I mean that match that 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 match that that was probably the one I was like the least invested in. But like, but like even toward the end, like um, as it started to turn around and Moxley started to like kind of get his mojo back. Um, Again, it felt it felt like kind of the most like manufactured of the whole thing. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, he's getting thrown around. So obviously we gotta have the turnaround and yeah. say the giant, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But even then, the 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 physical the physical payoff was very sweet. Like um like he was pulling he was pulling he was pulling this man by by his leg to like ram his crotch into the uh, one of the one of the, the ring poles. Like mm-hmm. like this was um this was a dude who clearly like has a lot of strength despite like being the smaller man here relatively. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, it ended up being, uh, even if like the story I didn't find as compelling as like the other stuff in this episode, like it, an impressive display of strength from this man uh, mm-hmm. when, when his opponent is clearly not like helping him out in any way to mm-hmm. like, to like BS his way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moxley is a badass dude, and this isn't the best episode to show that off. Just, just so happens to be that that just happens to be how it is. But he is yeah. he, he kicks ass, and he's a lot of fun. Yeah, and 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 he and I I, I can I can already feel that. And then having Jericho, mm-hmm. um, having Jericho kind of on the sidelines, be all Jericho about it. Um, that's what really lent to the fun of it. That's what really, um, that's what really kind of brought it into a full narrative that I was like, I was like, yeah, fuck you guy. Like, like, like chill a little bit. You're always going to be fine. He's going to lose this match. He's going to get tossed around. But like, but like, this is what, like, this is what you get for like, just not doing the dirty work yourself, my man. I don't know what to tell Mm -hmm. you. Like, it even felt, it felt satisfying, like just for that payoff. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then I get and then the A story of this episode, and I call it the A story because it is the main oh. event, is is Cody yeah. and Wardlow, which I think follows kind of a, 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 a similar path in of of Moxley and Cobb in the in that this is this is a giant slayer kind of a tale, but it plays it differently because Moxley and Cody are very different uh, baby faces. Yeah. Which like, oh my god, that match. Everything about that match, like, mm-hmm. like this is one of those. This is this is one of those things of like just the setup and payoff of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, as as they, you know, it, it helped. It, it helped a lot that you kind of like gave me a preview to like the Herculean trials through which Cody had to go through to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they did. They did. They did recap a lot of it for they, for the matches. I didn't rem- know they would do. They it's- definitely did, but. Mm-hmm. When I had all of that in mind, and then I mm-hmm. saw our main players come out, like because like I had already kind of been taking in, taken in mm-hmm. uh, with the Darby thing that had just had um um of like man, they can really make you feel stuff just by how these people look. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then and then Cody and then Cody comes out, uh, and and um um uh. JMF and uh and and uh um war MJF uh, and Wardlow and Wardlow God I can never I'm like I'm like it's a weird it's like a weird it's like a name with a D in it um Wardlow yeah uh MJF and uh and and Wardlow come out um and like these these men are it it's just it plays the aesthetics so well from the get go from the slow drop of the cage. Uh, it's a little dig they put in at WWE about like about how this is a match where you have to win by by submission um, uh, or by what's the other condition? Yeah, pin pinfall. Yeah, pinfall, pinfall or submission. Uh, and they're like, huh, we WWE don't do that anymore. Like they didn't they didn't name a drop them. Right, anymore. but they like, they, they, talk, they, they were they like talk, they, they were like as like, it should be. Yeah, they talk about how like. More and, and if you've watched this, unlike uh, you watched the cage match before, you might see that the way to win is to escape the cage, and they're like, "That don't do nothing here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you are in that cage until you until you win. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they had the announcer with his with his great stage presence, just standing there, taking in the moment before announcing it all, uh, and then we have our bad guys who are so good at playing it off like like um i they're such smarmy little shit in in watching the things we've been watching so far like they are they are but like in watching the things we've been watching so far i i keep thinking about like about like how corny it is to like have the heels that like have their like you know play it big uh play it all big and tough and gruff but then have their moment of regret and their moment of like, oh no, my plan backfired, and like that can feel really corny. But the way they play that off here, especially at the end uh, with JMF just like looking, um, like he looks at, up, he looks oh, up, no. Cody's like, oh my god, I actually have to fight him now. It was that whole fight was practically cinematic. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, when we have Cody rising from the floor, that's when we really feel it. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell this is a man. 
and who's been put through hell, and he is here to face down the trial. Um, executed beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we have like the clips leading up to it too, of like him being egged on and not being allowed to touch and him getting the 10 lashes. Um, this is his final trial before he gets what he really deserves. Um, and kind of, it, I mean, it's kind of basic and fun a way of when the giant slayer story of like Mm -hmm. he starts off like he starts off down low um and getting thrown around but then he slowly comes back until he gets his big final move but oh my god that payoff just felt so worth it Mm -hmm. and i i was suckered in the whole time and oh that ending we're so sad like like even 20 feet uh, or so they say. I don't know how high the cage actually is. They they tend to make that kind of stuff up for yeah. dramatic purposes. I don't know how. T- but either way, he t- he climbs to the top of the cage, and then does a moonsault off the top onto Wardlow, and yes. that's what beats him. Which, which kind of has a planning and payoff thing because he climbed he climbed the outside of the cage uh, at the beginning of the match to look out, and then at one point we have JMF kind of climbing up because he's pissed off. Um, it was this was. This was an imagery that was set up. Yeah, of, of you see a couple to times now, beforehand to, of people where climbing the cage. All going to do a move off of it. Yeah, and it, and a move that it, again, it, and a move it, that again it, is just so easy. It's the, like the incredible. Payoff mm-hmm. is so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he hits it so perfectly. Like it's and it's not something that you can like practice doing. Not at that height. It's art. Mm-hmm. No, it that is art. That is that is true athleticism right there. Mm-hmm. Uh the other the other and big the portion. fact that he came out of that practically unfazed. Mm-hmm. Is uh, yeah, just oh mwah. Yeah, uh, I guess the other the other big part of that match is I and I thought would be interesting to talk about is is this was our first adventure in blading in 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 a wrestling match was it I thought I thought I thought what I thought um I thought King uh, Captain Captain uh um um uh Cactus Captain or no Cactus Cact- uh, Cactus Jack I don't I don't think he ble- I don't think Cactus he bled. Jack. I don't- I don't remember him bleeding. I thought he. Oh, okay. Maybe, I think maybe I, I, remember, I'm remembering I think I made a remark while we were watching that episode. Yeah, well, about I, I remember us talking about blading during the Captain Jack fight. Yeah, I think I was talking about how it's weird that they aren't doing that. But oh, okay, I think this is our first time like getting to uh, see wrestlers bleed, which uh, I don't. I don't know if we explained it on the podcast, but I guess I go. I'll go ahead and explain it. Is it like it. okay? So. One of the bigger mis- bigger misconceptions about wrestling, I think, when you talk about like wrestling works, is I think some people get the idea that the blood's fake, that they'll that they'll uh, you know it's it's tomato sauce, it's ketchup or tomato sauce or whatever, or they like pop they like pop a capsule. Um, nope, not really. Uh, they act all pretty much all not like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of wrestling blood is legit. They are legitimately bleeding, and the way they do that, and the way they do that is they is they um hide a blade somewhere on their person, like a razor blade somewhere on their person, and when the time is right in the match, they will uh, secretly um cut themselves across their forehead. And so by the time 
they are back visible to the audience, like they're suddenly bleeding. Like it's, it's they do this after like the big move that's supposed to cause them to bleed. Uh-huh. And this was our um, first which, experience which, we, which we, we did. We we did get we did get a bit of uh, like like they they cut over to the other corner where we had the where we had JMF and and, and Cody's manager going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, like they they they. Oh wait, they, no, that they, was late. No, that was later. That was later. That was later. They, Never they, mind. No, no, they, that was they, later. They, um, they keep the camera like like Wardlow is 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 uh, mouthing off to Brandy and 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 Cody's coach on the outside mm-hmm. of the ring like very clearly they pan the camera away from cody at that point because that's what cody's doing is he's, yeah. is he's cutting himself in that moment and you can't show that uh, <laughs> i don't like i don't like blading austin <laughs> yeah it, i guess it is a little bit of a weird concept to kind of think about like for for me it's it's just like oh that's just what they do Mm, no, 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 no. I, I get very squeamish, squeamish at the idea of like of like having your skin broken by a blade. Ugh. Okay, I'll keep that in mind for the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can still like watch stuff that's blading in it. I'll just be all like, Ugh. yeah. I mean, the I mean, sometimes when wrestlers bleed, it is like the hard way, which basically means like they didn't intentionally make themselves bleed. They just did a thing and they started bleeding because of the yeah. way they did it. But this was very obviously, uh, uh, they, uh, he obviously bladed because they show a replay of the moment when it, it the, busted him open and he land, he basically Wardlow threw him into the cage and yeah. he very clearly lands on the side of his head into the cage. But when he's bleeding, he's bleeding from his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, which like, and as much as I hate to say this, uh, I will say it does create very effective imagery, especially as that blood starts to dry and he 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 finds his way to victory. It it does make for this very effective bit of, especially when like his his uh, like pants or whatever are mm-hmm. all are like stark white, like mm-hmm. and and his hair is like bleached blonde, like yeah, the, is, the blood is seeping into his hair. This is this is. This is a splash of color that, as much as I hate to say it, for someone who intentionally made himself bleed, becomes a very effective use of their color palette. Um, mm-hmm. And it just makes it feel all the more carnal and all the more impressive. And God, I hate that I'm basically minimizing blading I by mean, talking like this. That's why they do it, isn't it? I know. It's because... But I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, as someone who, who who cares for the well-being of other humans, it is a little weird to be like, all right, we're going to cut, just cut ourselves up. And like wrestlers just are just okay with this. Like they just do it. It's like, oh, well, part of the job. Yep. Oh, God. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Orange Cassidy's version of like Blading where he just like breaks the, he breaks kayfabe completely and he's pulling out like a plastic toy knife as a gag and he's like, oh, Sorry, guys. I thought I was supposed to be bleeding right now. <laughs> um, that that would be that, that would be pretty amusing. Um, That's just random random joke imagery. I don't know why I thought of that. I guess it was you talking about See, like it's I, the job. Like that's but, just how that's yeah. how that's how you do it. You know, that's part of the yeah. job. I would. I mean, uh, anyway. if, if you want to make a pun on the name, it'd be really funny if he like bled orange juice. <laughs> Yeah, dude takes out a thing of orange juice and like crushes it all over himself. Oh, I'm bleeding, guys. He's bleeding. <laughs> I've been shot. 
Um, uh, but anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, even with the blading that I'm all squicky about, like, damn, what a match. Like, everything about that thing was brilliantly constructed from the from the out from from what was going out outside of the cage to like the cage as a visual motif uh for for the for the um the the tides of the fight um to to the setup we had um to the narrative of the fight itself of of cody working his way from the top and hell, we even have kind of pre-symbolism of that of him like rising out of the floor just as he rose above the challenge. And oh my God, why is there so much visual metaphor going on? This isn't right. This is professional wrestling. It shouldn't be this smart. <laughs> God damn it! It's this is this is this is the episode where David realizes that wrestling can just be can be really smart, and it's breaking him. <laughs> This is this is an episode where David realizes, fuck, this is this is this is better than anything I could direct in a theater. God damn it. <laughs> As John Oliver says in his own piece about WWE, wrestling is better than the things you like. <laughs> it's like, man, I wish I could come up with that shit. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm talking about this and I'm realizing all the layers. I'm like, they don't do this. You don't do this. <laughs> Oh my god! And I mean, I'll be honest: is that most wrestling, oh. and honestly, most wrestling can't be this good because you know, if everything could be this good, then mm-hmm. like this stand, this match stands yeah. out. This is kind of like this is this is an unparalleled match. Mm-hmm. This is the best match we've watched, hands down. It's definitely the most, uh, I think, narratively interesting match we've watched so far. Hmm. And and just the, um, again, it felt theatrical. It felt cinematic. This mm-hmm. was um, this was a triumph. And at the end, watching JMF's face as the as like the color drain again, brilliant wordless acting from these people. Jesus, like mm-hmm. like or Cody like, Cody standing on the top of the cage just staring down MJF because he's like, oh my god, oh my, god, I keep getting I keep getting his initials wrong. That, that's that's the best part. I can't wait to put that in the YouTube comment in the YouTube uh, description. But yeah, he's, he's looking down at MJF and he's like, "I'm all right. I've passed all your tests." What's my name? God, I'm coming for you. What's the deal? What's my I name? And, and MJF is just is is just the he's the his face of despair. He spent this whole time. He spent weeks with this cocky, arrogant, smug look on his face because he's so sure that there's no way that Cody's going to pull this off. There's no way that Cody's not going to get pissed off and just punch him in the mouth. There's no way that Cody's going to actually put up with 10 lashes across the back with a belt on live TV. And there's no way that he's going to survive a cage match with Wardlow. And yet Cody did all of it. Oh my god. And the best part is, like, this is one of those matches where, in a way, it's a foregone conclusion. Because what the hell kind of narrative would it be if Cody lost this match, right? Right, if Cody failed, and it's like, oh, oh, oh he doesn't get the match, whoops. <laughs> but but it did the thing. We're even going in, if it makes every lick, every lick of sense, that, that of course, it's going to end in the hero's favor. It just feels so satisfying to get there. Mm-hmm. And... I, I am just blown away by how effective AEW was in this whole episode. And I'm assuming how effective they are across the board at really portraying um, 
really like like they feel like their their bread and butter is being able to distill these narrative ideas into these very like self-contained um easy to process packages that nonetheless through their simplicity just strike a chord with you that does not let go until Mm -hmm. that final that final third slap hits the ground um and victory is claimed over the over the the slain giant and oh my god and and honestly i think that that is a way that's kind of the benefit of storytelling via matches like aw even in even in shows where they have more you know talking segments as, as you might put it they mm. really like like they like the idea that like the matches themselves are like important narratives to of their own right in their own right whereas WWE for most of its existence at this point is kind of the idea that like matches are a part of the story sure but like there's all these other parts non-match parts that are that's the super super important stuff mhm and, 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 and AEW goes for a much simpler approach that kind of follows a lot more of a traditional wrestling kind of mold idea that like the match matches are, are a crucial part of the story. And, and, and they play it and yeah, no, it doesn't feel like secondary. Like, like mm-hmm. I think, I think, and I think a big thing too is like, you know, we talked about WWE where like, where like all the drama happens and people solve it by punching like this for the first time in a while, like, mm-hmm. like, like we've had glimpses of this before, uh, with things like the, um, with, with, with seg, with some of the Lucha Underground segments and mm-hmm. with like Hulk Hogan coming to save Randy Savage from like mm-hmm. the evil, uh, the, 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 the evil injustice that was, that was taking place. Um, mm-hmm. this was every little bit the fighting was the narrative and it felt deeply important to the narrative and none of it felt secondary. None of it felt, um, felt unneeded. None of it felt extraneous. It just all was there as part of this large series of vignettes that taken together made just for an epic night of, of, of fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as uh, again, it evolved for me from, from okay, this feels like I'm watching a real sport. That's cool. Into this is a damn movie, um, and and, it's every, and, and every and every and every match felt different. Every match told a different story in its own way. Like, like oh my god, I thought I thought we were gonna be over here like just talking about like hey. The, it's just a lot of fighting and here's kind of what mm-hmm. we saw in the fighting or like, or like, Hey, we got to watch our first cage match. That was yeah. cool. I've never, mm-hmm. I ain't never seen a cage match before. Even though I always, but no, this, this was, this was well constructed, uh, um, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a highly regarded episode of AEW, I think for a very good reason. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 like you were like you were saying. Sorry, before I cut you off about about every match felt different too. Like 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 yeah. This this was not a thing of things blending together. This was, um, this was a series of 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 all important stories that all needed to be told and all were executed wonderfully. A- absolutely. And so I think that covers. I mean, we've been out for an hour and a half of of. Uh, I think that's the longest we've done of the back half before. 
it's dang it hasn't felt like that like like mm-hmm. i'm just over here gushing about this thing oh like, yeah like, oh my god like it, it has not felt like it's been an hour and a half i'm just like looking at the recorder i'm like oh <laughs> that's how long we've been doing this but absolutely a fantastic show mm. and very glad that we got to do this for episode five and you know what? You know what? I'm going to do a thing that I haven't done mm-hmm. yet. Hey, you listening? Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. A- AEW airs weekly on TNT. Go freaking watch it. This is good stuff. Wednesdays, I, at, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go. I Please, go watch. Do yourself a favor. Go watch some AEW because this stuff is gold. This is, this is as far as I'm concerned, um... Uh, and a golden age in its infancy. Um, and and I think and I think if any of you out there are listening to this and are curious and like have not yourselves watched wrestling and are curious as to what this is all about and all this weird stuff we've been talking about, this is the way to introduce yourself to it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go watch AEW, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> Well, next week is going to feel like such a letdown in comparison. <laughs> I don't care. This was so good. Yeah. If we if we if we if we go if we go downhill a little bit, that'll be a fun thing to talk mm-hmm. about it in its own right. I agree. Like, damn, damn, um, this was good. But yeah, um, so our next episode is I've already kind of figured this out. Is I've, 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 we have a bit of a we have a bit of a rotation now. I think of of, of five I, I, different topics, and I kind of like sticking to it. Okay, um, I can I can roll with that. So I guess we're gonna go back to WWE in a mo- in the contemporary age, and alrighty. And I don't know exactly what episode. I'm, I'm debating between two episodes in the same three week period because I feel like if if we you when you're talking about contemporary WWE storylines, and by contemporary, I'm defining that to mean. Well, I guess this is this episode's in 2011. That's a little later, a little later than I'm thinking, but contemporary mm. enough. Is the story of, I guess, a little sneak peek, the story of CM Punk, and where the story where he has a match for the WWE Championship, but his contract's running out, and he's threatening to leave the company with the title into with the title hostage. Oh no. And this is All kind right. of like this is and it's a great storyline for the time that it happens. And I feel like we gotta cover it. So that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. I, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. And so we're gonna we're gonna touch on that. We're gonna go all the way back to 2011 next time. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. Uh please Go watch AW. Kyler Rose, please step on me. Um, and um, I, I promise I'm done. I'm, I'm done now. Uh, um, uh, until next time we watch AEW. Uh, until next time, <laughs> subscribe to us on YouTube. Smash that like button. Yes, I finally said uh, ring. It. Yes, ring ring that bell. Ring uh, that we, bell. Oh, we can be found on. We're, we're on Twitter now. Um, um, Our- go follow. Go follow us uh, uh, at uh, Noobs and Knox Pod on Twitter. Um, yep. Um, we uh, were we we've we've commissioned a shiny new um, a shiny new logo uh, uh, channel art 
So be on the lookout for that. Very excited yep. for that to come and, out. And and very soon we will be on Spotify and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts podcast. with your ears. Oh my God, my friends, my friends, you are you are uh, noobs and knockouts is just hitting its stride. Stay tuned because we got a lot of damn good content coming your way. Absolutely. But until then, talk to you later. <laughs>